Welcome to Love Your Heart, brought to you by Cleveland Clinic's Seidel and Arnold Miller Family Heart and Vascular Institute. These podcasts will help you learn more about your heart, thoracic, and vascular systems, ways to stay healthy, and information about diseases and treatment options. Enjoy. I'm Dr. Steve Nissen, and I'm here with Dr. Luke Laffin in the preventive cardiology section. And we're going to talk about um, the results of a survey done by the Cleveland Clinic uh, on what Americans know about certain aspects of heart health. Some pretty big surprises here. There really were. Um, it's, uh, it's always interesting when you ask the public and really find out what they know about the heart. So we ask people about uh, vaping, uh, e-cigarettes, and uh, there were some surprises. What would what, you find surprising? Yeah, so I think that really it's, it's shocking that one in five Americans don't believe that vaping or e-cigarettes really can be harmful to their health. Um, and when you look at a younger generation, it's almost a quarter of folks do not think that e-cigarettes or vaping can be um, detrimental. And even more shockingly, about one in 10 Americans still believe there's that, that smoking cigarettes is not unhealthy. Wait, that's crazy to me. I yeah. mean, I just, I don't get it. But yeah. it, with all those, the, the push over the past 30 years for smoking cessation, it is, it's uh, shocking that 10% don't. You know, maybe it's denial of probably the people who smoke and they don't yeah. want to accept that. But, but I think it's important that everybody understand that, that we have to keep working on educating people. Exactly. And in fact, in general, most Americans underestimated the threat of heart disease. Uh, maybe you can share with our our viewers some of the, the results of the survey? Well, I mean, we know that uh, across America, heart disease is the number one uh, killer. Um, but there's a full, even greater than a third of individuals don't think that heart disease is going to affect them over the next 10 years, which, you know, that's, that's it truly is um, a real big factor that we need to be cognizant of and treat appropriately. Now, there's some disconnect with women. Um, you know, the... Uh, it's interesting, both men and women think that the biggest threat to women is breast cancer. And of course, breast cancer is a very bad disease and it is a threat. But it's not the same threat as, and uh, not, not as often does it threaten women's health as heart disease. Exactly. And I mean, I, you're right, breast cancer, it's clearly important and we have to take steps to do screening for that. But um, there's no big campaigns for women's health wearing you know, ribbons, et cetera, or not, at least to the same degree as we see with heart disease. Um, heart disease is clearly the number one killer amongst women um, within the United States. And so we have to know that, and we have to know that women um, can very easily develop heart disease. Um, now, Dr. Laffin, you work in preventive cardiology, so what you do every day is you see people and you, you talk with them about how to prevent heart disease. Um, I think probably the most surprising thing that I saw in this survey was the knowledge about the, how modifiable the risk factors are. Um, perhaps you can share that with us. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, only one in 10 Americans know that the majority of cardiovascular disease is due to modifiable risk factors, okay? Obesity, blood sugar, um, cholesterol, hypertension. Um, that was shocking to me. We can't chalk it all up to genetics. Yeah. You know, the only risk factor that you can't change is your parents. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, so the idea that, uh, that uh, you know, these things are not uh, preventable, uh, and of course that's a very nihilistic view because if you believe it can't be prevented, then you go on doing what you're doing. 
Whereas if you, if you do believe that there are things you can do, then you can be more proactive. Exactly. And even in people with a strong family history, I always tell them, that doesn't mean you're necessarily going to have a heart attack or stroke. It's just that you may have to work a little bit harder. Yeah. Now, um, there's been a lot of controversy about the use of aspirin hmm. to prevent heart disease. And uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about the results of the survey on what Americans know about use of aspirin. And, and this is a question that actually wasn't surprising to me, and I'm sure you see it in your practice all the time, is that we were told for many years that, yeah, an aspirin a day is, is good for preventing heart disease, and about 58% of Americans still believe that. We know, based on the most recent primary prevention guidelines in particular, um, that aspirin, we have to really weigh the risks and benefits that we see, particularly in an older category of population or a population. So patients over the age of 70 without known cardiovascular disease, um, they likely shouldn't be taking an aspirin on a daily basis. Now that's, of course, if they don't have a history of stroke, heart attack, things yeah. like that. Yeah, we're talking about people who've never had an event. Uh, exactly. Uh, you know, ironically, about 15 years ago, I served on an FDA panel. We reviewed the world, two days, we reviewed the entire world literature, and we recommended to the FDA that they not award a claim for aspirin to prevent heart disease. Mm -hmm. This is a long time ago. Yeah. It's taken 15 years to get all the trials done, but you know it's been a message that come through loud and clear. And it's important, now, perhaps, for people to know that you know you can have a bleeding from an ulcer if you take aspirin, you can bleed in your brain. And so when you look at these studies, the amount of harm and the amount of good in people who don't have heart disease uh, was about equal. Um, now, if you've had a heart attack or a stent or uh, bypass surgery, everybody agrees you ought to take aspirin. But if you haven't had an event, not so beneficial. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, um, there's also some misinformation about cholesterol and when people should be tested. So perhaps you can share with our viewers, you know, your thoughts on who should get tested and at what age and, and how does that compare with what people actually know? Yeah, so what our survey revealed was that about three quarters of Americans believe they should start cholesterol testing in their 30s. And, and while we definitely should have some degree of cholesterol testing um, earlier in life, I think it's actually earlier that we should be and that's what the guidelines would recommend. Even as um, young as 18, but typically in our early 20s, we wanna start at least get a screening baseline test. Now that doesn't mean you have to have cholesterol checked again yearly or on a yearly basis, but we really should be following up and seeing every three to five years, and that's what the guidelines would recommend. You know, it's controversial, but the pediatricians are recommending that children, certainly adolescents and even younger, particularly if there's a family history, have cholesterol testing done, uh, you know, when they're, when they're very young. And the, even though you, we may not treat those patients with cholesterol-lowering medications, knowing that you've got this inherited cholesterol disorder, the pediatricians think that that's a potentially beneficial thing to do. Uh, do you agree? Uh, I definitely do agree. Um, of course, number one, we're looking at trying to uh, rule out cases or find cases of familial hypercholesterolemia. But as you know, um, as the field of preventive cardiology evolves, we're moving even more away from primary prevention and more toward primordial prevention. So identifying people early, higher number of risk factors, because we have these newer therapies available um, to try and prevent the onset of heart disease. And one more thing about this whole question of cholesterol and fats, and that is, you know, what's a healthy diet? Right. And uh, 
uh, the survey, uh, there were some surprises there as well. Um, uh, 29% of Americans think a low-fat diet is the healthiest diet. I wonder what your thoughts are about that. Yeah, so we know and what we commonly tell our patients here in preventive cardiology is really the only dietary pattern, I don't like to necessarily think about a diet, but a dietary pattern that's been shown in a large-scale randomized controlled trial, which is our highest level of evidence, uh, to reduce strokes and heart attacks is a Mediterranean dietary pattern. Um, and so that was surprising that um, you know, less than a third of pa patients or people that were surveyed for this um, knew that. And the Mediterranean diet is not a low-fat diet. There's no, like not lots of olive oil and nuts and other things that contain a lot of good fats. And uh, yet uh, it was amazing that amongst all, all Americans, only 19% knew that Mediterranean diet was the healthiest. And among millennials, only 14%. Yeah. knew that Mediterranean diet was the healthiest. So there's a lot of, a lot of education we have yet there to do. There really is. You know, there's so many of these dietary fads out there, and you can Google heart-healthy diet and see a thousand different books, right? Yeah. Um, but really getting that backbone of a, a Mediterranean dietary pattern can be very helpful. Yeah. So. Although some older people, boomers, uh, <laughs> I guess I qualify for that. <laughs> about a third of them actually knew about the Mediterranean diet, which is a good thing. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for uh, reviewing the, this really interesting survey, and uh, uh, we'll have uh, more to say about the survey also. Awesome. Great. Thanks, Dr. Nissen. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. We welcome your comments and feedback. Please contact us at heart at ccf.org. Like what you heard? Please subscribe and share the link on iTunes.